You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hi, you're with Karen, accentuating the positive. I'm here with Catherine Hand, who is a clinical hypnotherapist specializing in LBL, life between life regression, and the coordinator for the Afterlife Explorers Conference. Hello, Catherine, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Karen. Now, Catherine is an extraordinary person in her own right. She's promoting all these other people through her conference that are speaking about life after life and life between life and near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences and, you know, exploring the consciousness beyond our physical consciousness. But you have stories to tell. She hasn't even put herself on the stage, so I thought, you know, we have to interview Catherine because she's got stories to tell. How did you get into all this, Catherine? What sparked your interest in wanting to know more about our expanded awareness? Look, I, I think that there's many moments. We, I think we all have pivotal moments that uh, push us in this uh, direction. I've had a few significant ones and probably the, the two biggest ones. I was always interested in, in metaphysical um, things ever since I, I became introduced to it by a teacher when I was about 12 and she really opened my eyes up to it because I was from a very mainstream religious family where we didn't discuss anything like that. Yeah. And it was quite squashed out of me as well. You know, I, I recall when I was much younger seeing my my nana who had passed away when I was three and I saw her as clearly as anything lying in the bed next to me one night. When I, of course, mentioned that to my, my mum, the response was very much, well, that, that's lovely, very nice dream, darling, you know. And, you know, I remember as a child, I'd, I'd lie, I was a, an insomniac even as a child. I, I'm a real night owl and so I'd lie in my bed staring out the window looking desperately hoping I'd see UFOs you know all those sorts of things it was it was very much dismissed in my family so to have a teacher talk about things like um, telekinesis and telepathy and spontaneous human combustion and 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 hauntings and it was so exciting to me yeah and I think then I had a, my, my own very personal experience was uh, one night lying in bed and I was just in a really lonely phase, I suppose, feeling quite dark and depressed. And I just had this feeling that I was so alone and that I, you know, I had no one and nothing in my life. And it was about, I don't know, midnight or so. And, and I had a good friend in the UK. So I rang her knowing that she'd still be, or it was daytime her time and she said just ask your angels to give you a sign that they're around you something that's indisputable so I hung up the phone and I did that I I had a cat a beautiful cat called Reggie at the time he was curled up deep asleep in a ball um, on the floor in the bedroom and I lay in bed and I thought okay angels if you're really here if I really have angels around me get Reggie to stand up come and jump up and, and lay down on my tummy. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And um, so I, I, I dissolved into tears actually. 
And the very next day I was out shopping and I bumped into a woman. You know, we were looking through the, the racks of clothing and we got talking and she was starting up a development circle. And I didn't even know what a development circle was, you know. And she said, would you like to come along? And so I did. I started five years of sitting in this development circle. So, of course, a lot of things started to open up for me then. And then probably the, the big turning point, certainly career-wise, was when I was reading Dr. Michael Newton's book, Journey of Souls, and I had a very profound moment where I just felt intensely homesick because I was reading how wonderful the afterlife was and in, in such a way I had never seen it described before. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to go there and I... I mm-hmm became incredibly ill. I had read this book all night long and about five o'clock in the morning, I couldn't put it down. And all of a sudden, I I just got struck with this uh, very high temperature, fevers. I was chilly and cold and really, really sick. And I had to put the book down and It wasn't until it dawned on me that it was my body's way of grounding me to this life and this earth. And at that point, I was was almost willing my soul out of my body Mm because I just wanted to be home so badly. Mm -hmm. You know, yet there was another part of me that knew I had to be here and I had things to do. It did whatever it could to bring me back down to earth. And uh, once I realised that, the temperature broke. I just felt normal again. I caught up on a few hours of sleep. And um, at that point, I thought, you know, I've got to do this work. My initial thought was, I want to have a session with, with Dr. Newton. You know, I can't wait to go and... I'm going to go to America and have a session with him. And as days went by, I thought, no, no, I actually want to do this work. Mm-hmm. And so that's um, that's really what made me change my career and, and follow this path. Wow. And that's an amazing experience. You sound like, you know, when you were reading Dr. Newton's books, that you're about to have your own, uh, you know, near-death experience. It sounds like you were, as you said, willing yourself out of your body. But as you've discovered since, you don't have to die in order to have that experience because as a therapist, you've taken people there with your sessions. What was your first experience doing that like? quite terrifying <laughs> to do the the training we of course had to um, start off with fellow trainees and and so at least they were a soft target but it's still terrifying because you know you're responsible for for taking someone into this altered state of consciousness and to um, guide them through that and so when you're starting out doing that it can be quite daunting but it's amazing, you know, and these sessions last about five hours. They're, they're very in-depth. It's incredibly humbling and, you know, it's a massive honour to get that intimate with another human being and to see them in their greatness and to see them in their soul state and then to help them understand how they can um, connect into their soul and live their life so much more on track and on purpose and feeling connected to their soul. And when they come back from that, they can never be a victim again, you know, and that's the great thing about this work is that it does give us that ability to facilitate the incredible intense richness of our immortal self and our immortal life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Go and, you know, um, 
almost die um, or to actually wait till the end of this lifetime and die. So this healing is coming to us so that we can tap into that, the power of our own soul and our own true essence because we forget that. And, yeah, people come back from that experience and they realise that they've chosen everything. They've chosen the country that they want to be born in. They've chosen their parents. They've chosen some significant milestones and some challenges mm-hmm. that's pretty deep profound work and it's it's very humbling yeah. to be able to do that with people I love yeah. it and yeah. I never I never get tired of it yeah 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 you know I read Michael Newton's books years ago as well and something that struck me with the books was the difference between the quality of a person's character as a soul and the quality of their personality. Sometimes it's similar, but sometimes it can be completely different. So you could have a person's personality per se that's really brash and out there and, you know, loud and boisterous, and then you take them back to their soul and they're actually very chilled out, sort of quiet. And then the opposite, you could have this very shy person. Their soul is really sort of like, hey, you know, like it's interesting how we don like actors on a stage, we can don a different personality even though we have a similar character. Like we take our character with us but we can play a different role, a different personality. Have you found that in your sessions? Absolutely. And, you know, it's quite ironic because often the aspect of our our soul that we could be shining um, and and really presenting here in our life is often the one that we're most scared of and so it's the can often be the aspect that we hide the most Um, so it's amazing when people start to tap into their their real gifts and talents how it then just starts to come out quite naturally Um, it's being suppressed because they're actually scared of it but yeah, in terms of our, I'm sort of going off on two tangents. There's two answers to that question in a way, because yes, we definitely have soul personalities without a doubt. And I've had clients describe members of their soul group and they've all got quite distinct flavors, you know, and yeah, I, I often true. hear that word, you know, there's, I've heard people say we're all like different flavors of a cake. We're, we're different ingredients of a, of a recipe and we all come together. It's amazing how often food um, analogy comes into the description, but we all have very distinct personalities and they all shine through in the group. And yeah, sometimes that personality can be very different in our human persona, but certainly in terms of waking up to your potential. I've had people that come along, often to my practice, I I seem to attract people who are are definitely natural healers and mediums and um, the light workers. And so they've forgotten that very much and it's very suppressed. And often at the beginning of the year, I'm really inundated with requests to have life between life work because it's just a time when people go, okay, what am I meant to be doing? And there's a part of them that wants to wake up to that. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I remember one time I had a client who really wanted to do the session um, on the the 1st of January. And so I finally caved in and agreed to it. She was a natural medium. um, 
and she'd sort of, you know, she'd had all the signs. She could see all the, the dead people around her and communicate with them, but she'd never admitted it to anyone. She hadn't owned that. So she came and she did the, the Life Between Life session and she really saw that that was her, what she was here to do and she had to own it. She had to be brave enough to go out in the world and say, I'm a medium, and it was something she was terrified of doing. Literally within days of doing that session, she bumped into a guy that she had known from years ago. They got talking and it turned out that he was working on the, on the second series of, of The One, the, the show called The One. Right. And, yeah, and he said, um, oh, you know, wow. You know, she was, he was, she was telling her, she was telling him that she's uh, just starting to do some work as a medium. She got really, really excited. She started to, to design some business cards and all of that thing. So she started to really claim it and decided to say, I'm going to step into my my gift and my, my purpose and I'm going to say that I'm a medium. Yeah. So she, she bumped into this guy, got talking, and he said, well, I'm working on the one. Why don't you come and audition? And so she did, and she went through quite a few of the levels of testing. She didn't make it to the point where she was on the, the, the TV show, um, but for a, a brand-new medium who was only just coming out, it was quite a good affirmation for her that this was definitely what she was meant to be doing and that was many years ago I still see her around on Facebook and she's just going from strength to, to strength. strength to strength well yeah it's interesting isn't it because I really believe that where we're going as as a human consciousness is in to more telepathic communication. I mean, years ago, I read the Seth books, you know, the Seth books channeled by Jack. Yeah. And Seth said some things to me that just blew my mind because it was like 20, 25, 30 years ago. I can't remember. It was before I had a child, so over 25 years ago. One of them was we all communicate telepathically all the time. And he said, you couldn't drive your cars if you didn't. And I started to think about driving and how you do know what the person in front of you is going to do. Like, you know, there is that sort of split knowing. There's this telepathic communication that we're actually not aware of. And so I think that as a humanity, all of us are waking up to that. And and as we evolve in our human consciousness, we'll, we'll be communicating more intuitively with each other, less blabbing, more feeling and more knowing. So that's kind of on the cards for most people who connect to their soul. They connect to that way of communicating. I had a client recently who brought her son with her. He, she wanted me to heal her son who, who was seven or eight or nine, nine, and he didn't talk. But he was just a bubble of love. And he communicated perfectly well, but just not through talking. And so the session was really about stop trying to make him talk. He's not here to talk to you. He's here to teach that form of communication. And she knew that, but she just needed to be reminded and she needed to embody that because she kept taking him to therapists trying to make him talk. And (laughs) it's like... He's not going to talk. He's never going to talk because he communicates yeah. very well. You know, some people would put him on the spectrum, but he was actually brilliantly intelligent. He was just an alien here basically teaching us a new yeah. You know, like, he was just an alien. It was his first incarnation and, oh, my God. And she said to me that people, like kids would run up to him in, this, in the playground and just hug him and just not want to let him go. 
It's just like yeah. this, this little master here on earth just teaching us how to communicate more intuitively. So kids are amazing. Uh, the kids that are coming in, they're, they're very wise souls and a lot of them are from other um, planets, dimensions. other dimensions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got an eight-year-old eight and he has blown me away yeah. um, that many times. He, he teaches me things I have not been aware of. And, yeah. you know, even just the other day talking about that field of consciousness, we are driving along the other day and he said to me, Many years ago, when he was probably about four, he was listening to, he heard me play um, Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz, and he just fell in love with that song, loved it, loved it crazily. And he was asking me, he said to me that, who, I think he did say, who sings it? And I said, a guy called Lenny Kravitz. And he said, you know, I can get a picture of him. I think he's got browner skin than I do, but he's got hair like mine. Now, my son's half African, so he's got this beautiful caramel-coloured skin, you know, the tight curls, and he could get this picture of Lenny Kravitz in his head, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, out of the field of consciousness, you yeah, know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But just the other day, he thought of that. It came to his mind for some reason, and he said, how did I know what Lenny Kravitz looked like? And I, so I sort of gave my, well, I said, well, there's a field of consciousness and we can tap into that, you know, it's like everything is out there and our brain is like an antenna and we can tap into it. And he just sits there listening and, and then he said, well, I think that what happened is someone had a thought about what Lenny looked like and it went into a bubble of energy and somehow I got that bubble of energy and I knew what Lenny looked like and I thought... You've probably just done a better job of describing it than I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God love them. I tell you, aren't they fantastic? Just the children. Uh, he he's incredible. And he went on to say, he said, you know, children when they're born, they have so much more knowledge than adults. <laughs> Look, absolutely. What's crazy about all this work is we have it all when we're born because it's really interesting. I remember watching my daughter when she was born. You know, babies can't see or hear or smell or taste. They have to actually learn that. And it kicks in in the first weeks. You watch babies, you know, they can't focus. They don't focus. And then you watch them start to focus. They start to use their eyes. And then they start to use their ears. And they start to use their taste buds, especially when you give, you, give, you know, babies the first taste and they're like, <laughs> when they taste it and they start to use the senses in their hands and skin but they come in already communicating with you telepathically they're already in that state who we are as a soul they're there and then we forget we get so distracted by our five senses we forget about that sense that is innately who we are and, and then we come to someone like you or me and have to learn it all over again. <laughs> we have to find out who we are. We have to remember. I call my sessions reminders from home because, as your son said, we come in, you know, wired. We come in already knowing. What did he say? Babies have so he, much he more intelligence. When, mm -hmm. Yeah, so much more knowledge than adults. Yeah. And yeah. then we have to – then we forget – because we have to learn how to be physical and then we get so caught up and then we have to remember who we are as an expanded awareness. Well, it's also perfect because we choose these circumstances to be yeah. born into. If we've got things that we need to work on 
you know, for me, it's abandonment. That's been a theme that's been occurring in a pattern across a couple of lifetimes. And so I chose... Was. Was, yes, exactly. (laughs) Definitely was. And so in this lifetime, I chose parents who would not be able to care for me and I was given up for adoption. And in fact, I was rejected in the womb. So I learned very, very early in this lifetime, very deeply uh, about abandonment. But how perfect, because if I hadn't chosen those circumstances, I wouldn't have worked on it. It wouldn't have been in my face for me to discover and and learn about. And and that wound was exactly what I needed. Um, And in other lifetimes, I have caved into what I call the honeypot of human emotions and we get stuck in this honeypot of dense heavy emotions and we deeply forget who we really are because it feels so real and so painful and we're like a little bee floundering a little fly floundering in the honeypot going nowhere fast and so beautiful analogy um, yeah, and so and that's occurred to me in, in many lifetimes. I've given in and I've caved in and I've forgotten who I was. And in this lifetime, I'm, I'm, I've awoken to it. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. although I can still attract some of those same patterns, it's occurring less and less, and I bounce back a lot more easily. The, the hurts that may have set me into my bed and under the doona for two months in the past, I look at now with curiosity and go, okay, what else am I not getting? What is this demonstrating to me? What do I need to learn? What's still unresolved for me to look at? And so it's not about feeling that it's some heavy karmic debt or, or something. It's just about the the experience of what's going on and what's it demonstrating to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the great thing from living a very much a, a soul-centred, heart-driven life. Mm-hmm. You said before, you know, when you take people into their connected to their higher self or their soul or life between life experiences, that they know that they can never be a victim again. And, you know, we've been having these uh, afterlife explorer labs conversations with people well I posted it on Facebook and one of the people said why are you focusing on the afterlife when you can be here now you know and my response was because when you know who you are in that realm it so greatly enhances your life here and that experience of not feeling victimized is just probably the biggest gift of knowing who we are as a soul and that we do choose our circumstances. We choose the angry parents or the dreadful circumstance because it's giving us an experience that we want. And that experience, we can expand and learn from that, just like you said. Like, that's the gift of all of this because yeah. to feel victimised in life is about the worst feeling and to feel empowered, like there's terrible stuff happening, I'm sick, I've got no money or whatever it is, people are dying around me or whatever it's like I don't feel like I'm a victim in this because I'm choosing that from that soul's perspective you know absolutely such a beautiful gift and as a teacher of deliberate creation that's the hardest thing to get people's head wrapped around that you create your reality right so <laughs> I know say, some people want to punch you in the head when some you people say want to choking. punch you in the head absolutely God hallelujah I was talking to someone <laughs> yesterday about that you know I I set forth 10 years ago to teach law of attraction and deliberate creation and when I told people they 
create their own reality. They said, I so didn't. You know, I just came oh. up against so much resistance. Oh, and, it pushes the buttons. Yeah. yeah. But, you, you know, we're creating from two aspects of ourselves, our personality aspect and our soul aspect. So sometimes when you really hit those, how could I create this terrible thing that's happening to me? You have to ask your soul. You just have to ask your soul because your personality just cannot work it out, your physical perspective. What's been some of the most enlightening sessions you've done or stories that you've heard from people as you've had them under that's really blown you away? Like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I actually tried to listen back to some more of them to refresh my memory because you, you do forget. You know, my brain has to forget. Otherwise, I, I get you just up. get overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and so I've got a terrible memory for remembering client cases. And But because these sessions are so long, it, it's actually quite time-consuming <laughs> to listen to them. I still think that one of my favourites, and I know that you know this, but I will speak of it again because I just love it and... It's the story of a, a lady who came to see me when she was around 62 from memory. She had had a lifetime of regret because she'd said no to a young man who had invited her out on a date when she was 18. And she was a very successful woman. You know, she was beautifully groomed. She had created her own business. She was very dynamic. So she hadn't been miserable her whole life, but she had never married. She'd never had a really long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. And she carried quite a lot of regret that she had um, turned this guy down because he'd never invited her out again. And what triggered this off was that she'd recently found out that he had died in his belongings, he actually had made a CD for her of his favourite music and wow. he'd obviously never sent it to her. Wow. And this really triggered off for her a lot of pain that, you know, she'd really missed a massive connection in her life because he must have been holding a bit of a flame for her too if he had created this CD for her. Yeah. And it was music that he had played. I'm actually getting goosebumps as I'm talking about it. Yeah. He had played this music on the piano himself, so it was really special. Oh, beautiful. And, uh, yeah, so she then went on a big, deep journey inside going, what did I do and what series of, of you know, consequences did I, you know, start trigger off by saying no to him? So this regret had become deeper and deeper, especially in recent years before she came to see me. And so what we discovered in that session was that we went to a, an alternate reality where she actually had said yes to the date because every single choice that we make sets off a whole other set of choice points, you know, a whole other grid of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So in some other reality, she had said yes to him because she had the opportunity to say yes or no. In this reality, she said no. In another reality, she said yes. Mm -hmm. So we went to that reality mm -hmm. and she could see herself answering the phone, having the conversation with him and she accepted his invitation and they went out on a date. We went through the whole getting ready. She could see what she was wearing. She could feel the butterflies in her tummy. She could feel the anticipation and the excitement of going out on this date. He turned up at the door. They went out for dinner. They had a beautiful night and she went home, woke up the next day. 
expecting to hear from him, as many of us will relate to. And the phone call didn't come that day, didn't come the following day. Day after day went by and we followed it for about two weeks and no phone call came. And with every day that went by, she was becoming decreasingly depressed and rejected and blaming it on herself. What had she done wrong? It was very, very much all her own self-blame that she had done something wrong and she turned him off. And so what she had an understanding was that at that point, if she had continued that way, she would have sunk down into quite a dark place and it would have set her life off in a whole different direction. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so it was quite profound and she so, realised that so what, I'm, what is the reason? Mm, what I'm seeing as you're speaking is in that life, in that timeline, that lifeline, she carried that rejection and she wasn't as successful. But because in this life, this timeline... Well, she rejected him, so she sort of stood in her power and and said, you know, made a decision, no, but she held on to that confidence that she could say no and she became successful. It's really fascinating how we're exploring different decisions. Yeah. Wow. Look, you know, one of the other things I read in the Seth books years ago that really dumbfounded me, and I had to put the book a bit like you and Michael Newton, was that he said every possible decision that you could make becomes manifest he said imagine you're on the phone a friend says come out for lunch you think no I'll stay here and have lunch yes I'll go for lunch no I'll go out for lunch with somebody else like there's a whole lot of decisions that you can make and then you choose one and then you choose that timeline and that blew my head when I was a young girl I just thought I can't understand that but when you understand that they become manifest in different parallel realities not necessarily in this timeline it makes sense which is something that Maybe I didn't read deeper into the book because it blew my mind. So what you're explaining there is exactly that, that that decision became manifest and a whole new life unfolded because of that decision, which fascinating. How how did it change her life knowing this information? Oh, look, she literally, the regret that was, you know, trapped in her body for 40-odd years vanished from her body. She looked different. She felt so incredibly light. I also connected her to his soul. Right. So they had a little talk. You know, yeah. she she embraced him. She, she saw him in his soul state, and it was a beautiful reunion, and she got such incredible peace. So she let go of the grief. She let go of the regret. That was massive. Literally 42 years or whatever it was of regret just vanished from her body, from her energy, from her life. And she walked out the door so much lighter and feeling that she had let go of that and it was a closed chapter. She'd made peace with him. She'd connected to his soul um, and they'd communicated and I left her to do that on her own. She yeah, didn't share yeah. all of that with me. So it was a very private moment for her. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was beautiful. It was, it was really profound. It was an amazing healing. Did she come in with that intention or did that just unfold as you took her deeper? Um, she came in with the intention of, of wanting to 
she couldn't live with the regret any longer. Yeah, it was right. becoming so intense. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to resolve the regret, which is what She wanted to resolve the yeah. regret, yeah, but what she got from it was a whole lot more than yeah. that. So And I'm yeah. thinking I'm thinking that there would be another parallel timeline that would be the two of them, you know, stayed together. Yeah. And had a laugh together. Absolutely. Yeah. And those... uh, and for whatever moment in this moment, she needed to see the other lifetime so, yeah, or the other yeah. reality. I'm getting just a sense because we all come in with an intention. One of the things that fascinates me about our soul's decision, you know, when you're exploring deliberate creation, what is it that you want to create? Because law of attraction created so much confusion for a lot of people when the secret came out because everybody thought that any willy-nilly desire that they could have, they could manifest. And in a way that's true, but if your soul has another intention, that's just never going to happen. And I've seen that in my own life, you know, something that I really think I want. When I contact my soul, my soul said, actually having that in this lifetime is not why you came. There is such a greater purpose for you than that. So stop putting your focus on that. That doesn't actually mean anything. You're much bigger than that desire. And that's, I think, something people have to understand when they're understanding who they are as creators. We're creating from two aspects of ourselves and the greater aspect is really in control. And yeah. I just see that, that in this timeline, that success and that confidence as a woman being successful was like what was in control of the decisions that she was making, although she held on to that regret. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true and it's it's hilarious when I get people in to do a life between life session because I'll say to them in preparing for the session, bring me a list of questions that you want to find out about your life and where you're at. And I say to them, you know, direct these questions from a soul level. But of course, our conscious mind, you know, we think, why don't I, why am I not a millionaire yet? You know, why aren't I... Um, living in the match and overlooking the ocean yet, you know. Um, <laughs> so that's what they often come along. And yeah, yeah. it's hilarious because when I get them into that soul state yeah, yeah. and I'm directing those questions, it's like their soul just goes, oh, these puerile questions that are so childish and irrelevant. And and they get they see that, you know, all of a sudden they go, it doesn't matter what car I'm driving. It doesn't matter that I'm carrying an extra 15 kilos. Like, it's just so irrelevant. And it really is highlighted when when those questions, I put them to them. And I still put them to them, even though I know that they're going to go, <laughs> what? Oh, my um, God, it's, it's hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because here's the thing, your soul has desires that it wants to fulfill that are so much more important than what mass media is promoting. Like you have to look yeah. like this, you, as you say, you have to drive this car, you have to live it. And we get so lost, swept up in that stream of mass media promoting what is important in our lives. And yet if you contact your soul, your soul will show you what's important in your life and Often it's not being the supermodel or having the house or the car or the clothes or the status. Yeah. It's, there's so many other things going on. It's just yeah. hallelujah to that. Yeah, and, you know, we are humans. We, are, we do get caught up in, in, in experiencing all of that ego, you know, as part of the human condition. Yeah. 
But it is funny when people see how puerile those sorts of worries are and when they focus on just following the heart, you know, if there's anything that you can do, it's just what do you want, you know? Do I listen to my head or my heart? I say it to my to my eight-year-old all the time when he will be in a point of, well, what do I do, mummy? I go, what does your heart want? Yeah. And it, it takes all, it, it makes decision-making just so easy. Yeah. So if you follow your heart, you cannot go wrong. And I can't under, you know, underline that enough for people that mm-hmm. you just listen to your heart and it's your your GPS for your soul and you can't go wrong with it. Even if it feels scary, even if your mind is crazily going, well, how, how will this work? What will I do? How is that going to, you know, happen? You just have to let go and trust because it always works out for the best when you follow your heart and that's your soul talking to you. Look, it's excellent advice. I remember saying the same thing to my daughter when she was young. She used to ask me questions because you know, food was something that we, we, you know, people use food as a reward and I still do it to myself. You're like, oh, I've had a really good day. I'm going to have an ice cream, reward myself. And as a child, she used to say, is this good for you, mummy, or bad for you? And I say, if you like it, it's good for you and gave her some freedom around food. And so Mm. she listens to what her body wants and she eats accordingly. Sometimes it's three days of junk and sometimes it's just three days of green, you know, like she just listens. And so I thought I was teaching her well, but as an adult, I've seen her struggle with that same thing. How do I make money and survive and how do I follow my heart? This, This constant struggle of... I've got to make money and survive and, you know, maybe being an artist isn't going to make me money at the moment um, or, or living my dharma is not going to make me money. So she's off doing these menial jobs. And as a parent, you've just got to stand back and watch them go through that dilemma because that's why they came. Like that's a part of the journey. It's, it's, it's interesting being a parent just to watch your children go through their struggles and be there to support them but not to interfere or fix it because they have, mm. to, they have to work it out, you know. They have to work out that following your heart is really, you know, not following your heart and getting caught up in the confusion and how do I make money and, oh, who am I, it sort of make, brings you back to following your heart. So, Well, exactly. And, it, and there's still a lot of that subconscious um, layering conditioning that we have had pushed upon us in the first seven years of our life and Mm -hmm. that is what we've it's a two-way thing we've got to constantly be working on and being aware of our our limiting beliefs because we've probably you know I was raised in a Methodist family Mm -hmm. where the belief was all about you know money is the root of all evil and um it was we were raised in a time when there wasn't a lot of abundance and and generations before us have struggled through the wars, depression. It's, it's embedded in us to have some kind of struggle around um, around money and we've got a real lack mentality built into us. So money's a big one and, you know, if you can start to realise that we've, you know, whatever it is that's holding you back, if there's something that you want and you're going for and you're not getting it, it's because you've got some subconscious limiting belief that's keeping you stuck there. And so it's a two-way thing. Yes, you've got to listen to your heart without a doubt, first step, and you've got to practice that and trust it every day and get really good at just trusting your intuition. But on the other hand, 
um, like The Secret, you know, forgot to tell us is that you can't just desire something and instantly have it manifest, you know. You've, you've also got to look at those limiting beliefs that are holding you back and that is what has come in from our wounding, you know, from the parents that we chose by by being caught up in the society's beliefs that we've been born into, our family beliefs. And, uh, you know, that could be about money, it could be about relationships. All of that's already programmed into us by the time we're seven. And so our job is to almost unprogram us or, you know, delete those files out of the system and replace it with more beneficial ones. So there's definitely a two-way street. But following your heart, still, that's still involved in following your heart because when you indulge in a limiting belief, whether it's a subconscious habitual one that you've picked up, you know, when you were young, it just doesn't feel good. And so yeah. your heart is still speaking to you. So you feel bad because you're believing a belief that you picked up when you were six or seven or five or two or in the womb. You have in that moment the power and the opportunity to change that. Because your yes. satnav, your heart, as you said, is showing you that it's not in alignment with what your soul came to do. So that belief is not your truth, even though you yes. did pick it up. And that's the tools I teach as a teacher of deliberate creation is in the moment you have that choice to make the decision to believe it. Because those beliefs are so strong because you've, oh, you've set them up in. as your truth. And yeah. this is why I love the work of Byron Katie, because when you mm. when you say, is that true, it's sort of yeah. the foundation that is your truth, like I will be abandoned or I'm, I'm never going to be enough or I'm a failure or whatever it is that, that you feel like is your truth. When you question that, is that true, it rocks the foundation and now you've got some leeway. You can let it go. So oh, yeah. too good, darling, too good. Fabulous. Look, we could talk all day because you are fascinating and I'm just listening <laughs> to you. And listeners, isn't she easy to listen to? She's got such a beautiful voice, really, because I speak to so many people on radio and I really tune into the quality of people's voices and your voice is so easy to listen to. It's lovely, glorious. Oh, well, thank you. And funnily enough that you should say that because I've just had a really bad cold and I'm still <laughs> feeling quite sort of nasally. And um, But, yes, years of hypnotherapy has, has probably um, helped with, with the voice. <laughs> thank you for chatting with us all about your experiences. They've been amazing. It's so lovely to put you in front of the camera, even though, you know, some of those subconscious limiting beliefs come up. And I, I have them too. I know them. <laughs> like, I put myself on camera for the first time this year 2015 because I've been on radio for five years and I'm I can listen to myself speak but putting yourself in front of the camera all your limiting ideas about what you look like and I'm old and I'm fat and, and then you just have to go oh get over yourself you know <laughs> your story is so much more important than what you think about yourself and what you look like like that's I know I went through that journey at the beginning of this year as well and the first time I put myself on camera I was so self-conscious and now yeah. I you know now I don't care <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a it's therapy in itself. Putting yourself it on is. camera. Exactly. Yeah. yeah for yeah. sure. Getting yourself out of the comfort zone. Out of the yeah. comfort zone. That's it. Yeah. So more to come. Thank you, gorgeous one. Thanks for being. My pleasure. Thank you for talking to me on this show. And where can people find out more about you? What's your website? Well, I'll have a link in the. Yep. It's www.hillshypnotherapy.com.au or www.afterlifeexplorers.com.au. Beautiful. Thanks so much. Bye Bye. for now. The wonderful Catherine Tand, their clinical hypnotherapist and co-founder of the Afterlife Explorers Conference. Shane Locke and I have been having a few chats with some of the speakers at the conference on Blab. So if you go to Soul Traveller Radio on Blab, B-L-A-B dot I-M, you can sign up with your Twitter account and you can search for the Afterlife Explorers conversations on Blab with Shane Locke and I, or there'll be a link on my website and also on Soul Traveller. Thanks for joining me for another show, Accentuating the Positive on Soul Traveller Radio. I hope you all have a beautiful holiday season. Enjoy yourselves, laugh a lot, hug a lot, <laughs> love a lot. 2016's around the corner. If you'd like to join us for some conscious conversations on Blab where you can join in and ask questions, go to my website, karenswain.com and sign up to the newsletters and I will let you know when the next one is. Shane Locke and I have got some plans for next year interviewing some conscious musicians and uh, you can ask them questions as well catch you soon enjoy the rest of your night bye for now you, uh, hey, hey. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want